Hello and welcome to Doctor What on Earth is Happening This Week. Uh, my name is Jonathan Sawyer and over there is Tom Haley. And this week we're going to be discussing dinosaurs on a spaceship. No, really, that was the title. Uh, so to sum up what is put on the interwebs, an unmanned spaceship hurtles towards certain destruction unless the Doctor can save it and its impossible cargo of dinosaurs. Uh, Tom, initial reactions? Well, initially, when you kind of hear the title, you kind of go, wow, that's probably every eight-year-old's dream. Doctor Who, dinosaurs and a spaceship. That's probably actually anything you, everything you could wish for. But um, I don't know, it was, it was an odd one, and it kind of, one of these things where I sort of thought, yeah, why haven't we met the dinosaurs before? Why, why are the dinosaurs taken this long to crop up? So it was a good idea by whoever it was that came up with it, which you're now going to tell me. Uh, the writer for this one was uh, Chris Chinball. Yeah, it was, it was a nice idea, although, that, well, as I'm sure we're going to discuss, there are a few bits that puzzled me during it. But yes, no, it was a, a good idea to bring dinosaurs into Doctor Who. I was a little bit turned off by this episode. It wasn't it wasn't the best episode I think we've ever seen from Doctor Who. I don't think it was the worst, but I think it's going to be a forgotten episode. Really? Yeah, I just I think this episode is going to be a little bit like um something from the middle of series 5. Um uh, for instance, um what was that one that James Corden was originally in? Um, the well, it, uh, it was it was the house. Uh, the lodger. That's the one. Thank you. I think it's going to end up a little bit like that. Not because it wasn't well written. Not because it wasn't acted very well. Because it just doesn't form part that I can tell of the main plot line of this series. Well, but it, that's kind of the route they're trying to go down. I feel with these ones, not so much there being an overriding plot line like we've had before. These all seem to be sort of specials. But sort of interconnected specials. Although at the beginning they tell us that was it ten months have passed. Ten months have passed for Amy and Rory. I mean, we have to wait a week. Wait a week for the next episode. Imagine what ten months must be like. Well, we almost did between uh, the last time we saw Doctor Who before uh, the first of September. Actually, that's a good point. We that did, was, didn't we? That was nine months we waited. Uh, but going back to dinosaurs on a spaceship, uh, we met uh, Queen. I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, Nefertiti, I got it right actually, uh, of Egypt. And we also met um, the character of Riddle, who is this uh, man who is of poaching animals on the African plains. Um, I'm, I'm still confused about their significance. I, I, I don't know if they are significant at all. I think it was literally just this idea which I think some writers like, that the Doctor can just sort of go, that looks like it's this sort of trouble, let's go and grab this person to help. Um, you know, and, and I kind of like the idea of him having a gang. It wasn't just him and the other two, it was sort of like a load of them. Although it, it immediately, I don't know if it was the same with you, but immediately it was like, okay, which one of them is going to get killed? Because that's what normally happens. If, if As soon as there's a whole load of people, you know one of them is going to get killed off at some point. But they actually all survived. They did all survive. Incredibly. Uh, one character that I do want to pay particular attention to is a character that we haven't met before that is surprising that we haven't met before. Uh, the character of Brian Williams. Yes, or Brian Pond, as the Doctor refers or to him. Brian Pond, who is actually played by Mark Williams. Same yes. surname. Uh, now, what confuses me 
is that at the wedding between Amy and Rory in The Big Bang... He's not there. He's not there. We meet uh, Amy's mum and dad. Uh, We've previously met Amy's aunt Clara. No, aunt Sharon. Get my names modelled up. Um, But why have we not met any of Rory's family before? Right. I think that's probably just down to the fact that it's always been based around Amy. If you think about it, it was Amy at the beginning. So it's it's always been Rory came in onto the scene. So we didn't really need to know about Rory's family. But I did quite like the way this one started where the Doctor genuinely didn't realise that he'd brought his dad along. He'd just sort of gone about his usual arrogant self, you know, drop in, grab his companions and vanish off again and didn't sort of think, oh... You know, who's this other guy? Who's, who, there's an extra person here. Which, I don't know why like he didn't notice that in the TARDIS. It, does, it is slightly concerning that he didn't realise there was somebody else in the TARDIS until he got out. No, it's a little bit weird, that. But it, I think it's a good addition. And, in fairness, he... Um, was it Mark Williams? Is it Mark? Yeah, Mark Williams. Yeah, he does actually look like he could be Rory's dad. He does a bit. He, I can see where you're going from with that, and he does. Yeah. So I, I think he, he played the the role well, I think. Uh, we saw the character, uh, we saw the actor uh, Rupert Graves uh, in the character of Riddle. Now, we've previously seen him uh, in other ventures that Stephen Moffat has been uh, in in terms of Sherlock uh, playing uh, Detective Inspector Lestrade. Now, what did you think to the character of Riddle in uh, this episode, Tom? Um unnecessary possibly i'm not sure he is a it is a bit of a puzzle why he was included um you kind of thought saw him at the beginning of the episode and you're like okay why is the doctor picking up someone oh he's, he's a good shot okay but now when you've watched the entire episode you sort of look back and you go actually he didn't really contribute anything maybe he kind of fended off the dinosaurs a bit but what, what did he do as a, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I think he wasn't, he wasn't exactly a major player in this episode. He wasn't, as you say, he wasn't exactly necessary. No, apart from the fact that him and Queen Nefertiti got it together at the end. Yes, which I've got Queen, which I did find a little bit weird. Have to be honest. Yeah, but oh, won't that muck history up a little bit? <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, I, that that does play with the whole "what is a fixed point in time" question. But yes, especially when she's that famous. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's um, move away from Riddle. Let, let's talk about Queen Nefertiti uh, in this episode. Now, of course, she was a real Egyptian queen, and in this episode, sort of her passion and her. Uh, character is really brought out uh, by the actress that plays her uh, of uh, Rianne Steele. Weird name. Uh, Rianne Steele, who plays Queen Nefertiti in this episode, I think she does it quite well. Don't you agree, Tom? Yes, I think she's definitely got the... the Well, how you kind of imagine an Egyptian queen would be massively sort of arrogant and bossy and I rule the world sort of so yeah she got that bit of the character absolutely spot on again I'm kind of there going was she a particularly necessary character she is sort of another add-on but it was one of those sort of episodes I think but she as the character she was 
you know, portrayed very well and sort of shouty and, you know, you don't want to mess with her. A little bit like she reminded me of, and you're going to have to remind me which episode it was. All right, um, okay. I think it was series five, and it was the episode two on the spaceship, and it was the queen of the new London, you know, the one on top of the... Yes, uh, the beast below the episode and uh, the character you're thinking of is Liz Ten. Yes, she kind of reminded me of that sort of character of, you know, I'm the queen, I do what I want sort of thing. I, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. She did have an air of... Um, I th- the only way I can describe it is of just pure confidence. Yeah. And we see at the beginning of the episode the Doctor trying to leave her. He's yes. clearly had an adventure with her off camera or off screen, as it were, more alluding to the fact that the Doctor does have adventures that we don't see. Yes. Uh, but she forces her way onto the TARDIS almost. Yeah, which again is sort of the Doctor evidently struggling to say no. Yes. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, you probably shouldn't really run away with an Egyptian queen. No, but then if you can travel in all all of time and space, you can get her back for five minutes later. That is true, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fabulous. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Silurian ship, which is the Silurian Ark uh, we find out in the episode. It's an Ark that the Silurians built when they thought the Earth was going to be destroyed. Now, this... I, I don't know how you felt about this. I felt this was almost very clever. Um, it was the whole idea kind of about this whole, you know, obviously in history, meteorite wiped out the dinosaurs. And we know from previous series that the Silurians were there before us, before the, as they call, chimps turned up. You know, they were there before us. So it's a nice idea that they were trying to save their, like we would save a lion or a giraffe or something. They were saving their local species, which was the dinosaurs and put them on this arc. But then we kind of didn't really hear anything else about the story of that. They're just that they're all killed off, and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, this is an interesting point that you do raise. I mean, if it kind of goes against what we've already learned in terms of who the Silurians were. Yes. Because if all of their if their creations, or if they were around before the meteor that destroyed the dinosaurs hit now surely any silurians that left the were left on earth would have been would have, killed yeah. by that meteor impact you can only assume and this again is an assumption that there were this is a massive assumption they were possibly multiple arcs and that's how other creatures survived in that those other arcs were successful, whereas this one with the dinosaurs on wasn't, and that's why they got wiped out. But I do, I do feel that, especially the person that did the ship's log, he looked a lot like the scientist that we met back in, I think it was Cold Blood, was it? Uh, yes, uh, it is, in fact, the same actor. Um, same actor of... Uh, I have it here somewhere. Uh, Richard Hope is the actor, and yes, he did play the... Uh, and again- Silurian Doctor. It suggests that he gets killed off, but then again, we know that he lives, which is a bit puzzling, but I you think, know, you feel that's an error that they could have avoided. I think, and it's not exactly made clear in the episode, but I think he's supposed to be a different character. Ah, okay. That's what I believe. 
I but again, they could have avoided that. They could have avoided that by using someone else. Yeah. Uh, but going back to my original point, and I think maybe the whole more than one arc thing does solve it, but if there was only one arc, how are the Silurians able to exist in 2020 when we see them in uh, Cold Blood and The Hungry Earth in that double episode? I'm not sure. I, I like, again, I like the idea that they've brought another one of these races back from previous theories, you know, and you go, oh, we know them, we remember their storyline. But again, it is one of these, it, it's, the two storylines don't quite match. If, if they, even if they just had a line from the Doctor somewhere in there that explained how these two, how the two stories sort of connect, it's a bit, because they were before the others, yet the others are fairly early anyway. Yes. Like, why weren't they killed? Unless it's because they were underground. But then why did they see the need to rescue the dinosaurs and go off into space? Yeah. Um, I've just thought of another thing. Just talking about this. Is that this... The events that we see in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship predominantly take place in the year 2367. Yes. Now, if the events that happened in 2020 in North Wales when we see that whole drilling plant happened. Yes. Then surely all of the Silurians were still on board these arcs. Yes. I mean, we're not told and we're not quite sure how long Solomon has had control of this arc. But... We can't assume it's that long. No, and so unless that's you see, unless it's then suggesting that, well, can you remember from the end of Cold Blood how long it was that they were going to wake up again and have another meeting and see if they could agree a partnership over the Earth? Ooh, um, I think it was a thousand years, wasn't it? Yeah, in which case that, that doesn't would, work. Does that it would make it twenty three twenty? Mm. which makes that about 30 years before the events in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yeah, so maybe maybe they woke up. Yeah, but then again, where would they have got the dinosaurs from? So that doesn't work that way. I think there's I think there's a lot of questions. I think by just talking about it, we've unearthed a lot more questions than we've been able to, between us, answer. Yeah, we're now confusing people listening more than we're helping. Sorry about that. Uh, let's talk about Solomon for a few minutes. Uh, Solomon is this space pirate, if you want, who goes around and sells things on the sort of intergalactic black market, as it were. And he believes that everything in the universe has a price. Everything in the universe is worth something, apart from the Doctor, as it turns out, because he is. And I think they kind of used the wrong word. Because in the episode, Tom, uh, the Doctor describes himself as worthless. Yeah. Now, I think that should more be... He should be priceless. Yes. Rather than worthless. Yes, I agree. So I think that was maybe a slip up by um, uh, Chris um, Chibnall. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's not really worthless. That's the last 
think anybody would describe him as. But it, it's sort of just, he's more of a mystery. Yes. Sort of. But it is nice that he didn't come up on there. I was half expecting, I don't know, when they said he said he found this far more valuable thing on the ship, I was thinking, oh, that's the TARDIS. Then. I did think that as well. Yeah, I thought, well, that must be the TARDIS. <laughs> I, didn't, I really didn't expect it to be Queen Nefertiti of Egypt. No, so his his system scanned the entire ship and missed the tar. Well, unless I suppose the TARDIS, TARDIS is camouflaged from the scans, which it probably is, knowing this sort of thing. Now that would be the excuse. Yeah, that would that would be what Stephen Moffat would say, wouldn't it? Oh, well, it's clearly camouflaged. Yes, there you go, filling in that hole. Yeah, uh, filling in that hole rather nicely. So we've discussed uh, the the um, Silurian arc itself. We discussed most of the main characters in uh, this episode. Uh, let's, for a few minutes, talk about the Indian Space Agency. So right. in the future, we are to believe that India... Space en- Agency. Yeah, India has a space agency and that they are sort of one of the major international powers, as it were. Uh, which, good on the Indians, fair enough. But one thing I can't understand is why the Indian Space Agency and the character of uh, Indira, I wonder how he came up with that name, uh, would call the Doctor in, tell him that as soon as the um, space arc got within 10,000 miles of Earth, it would be blown up. And then when the Doctor says it's all under control, not listen to him. Yeah, this is this is another thing that you almost felt it was going back to the classic Doctor Who, but with sort of desperation thrown in. So the classic Doctor Who, we're used to sort of military leaders ignoring him and going, sorry, our interests are purely earthbound, we don't care who's on there, blah, blah, blah. But it was, it's like, okay, so why did you ask for help? Surely you, if you ask for help, you're going to give the Doctor the maximum amount of time. Yeah, and it's also like... If you don't care of what's on board that ship, why why call the Doctor in at all? If you, if all you're going to do at the end of the day is blow it up, get on and blow it up. Yes, and <laughs> it's I don't know. It's just a bit sort of the whole of the beginning of the episode is a bit sort of oh there's a queen oh he's gone and picked up a guy who's a poacher. Always oh, picked up so and so. Always oh, just popped to the space embassy. You know, he's doing this. He's fiddling around with magic holographic touchscreen things, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, this is very, very quickly building the plot so that we know what's going on. But I, he kind of felt it was another one of these, and he like, well, I mean, this is an, is he a new writer? This one? He's written a few episodes before, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if these other episodes follow the same sort of. Oh, we've got X amount of minutes. So, like, of course, the famously Matt Smith's first episode, that was almost true time. He had so many minutes to save the Earth, and that was kind of like, that's what he does. And they these sort of episodes keep cropping up where we slip into real time, and it's like, oh, it's got seven minutes, and then you sit there and you go, oh, that's interesting, that's exactly how long it is until the end of the episode. So it sort of fell into that group of it's... You know, oh, there's that's what the danger is. It's this space agency that's going to blow it up, even though they've asked for help. And we've got seven minutes. What's the doctor going to do? 
And I'm starting to get a little bit bored of those, sort of the Doctor under time constraints. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit old hat now. Uh, yeah. Just reading up about Chris uh, Chibnall, he has previously written, he actually wrote the two-part Silurian story, uh, The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood. Oh, did he? That That's was him. So it's, it's almost a little bit confusing that he didn't think about the implications of... Storyline. <laughs> oh, yeah, of, of storyline, about the implications of what he's doing now. How does that conflict or contradict what he's already written? Unless, and we don't know this, unless he has another episode coming up later on in this series which helps us understand everything, which is possible. But, it, you know, you still feel it was left in a bit of a mess in some places. Yeah, uh, I think he could be right. Uh, let's um, let's move away from um, dinosaurs on spaceship. I think we've um, exhausted that to the point where we've taken all life out of it, Tom. Well, the the, the only two other comments I was going to make. Oh yeah, go on. Is firstly, was the spiders bit ever referred back to? Because I thought that was going to be a key part of the plot. Right at the beginning, he goes, "You don't normally find spiders in space," and then sort of nothing happened about that. That's that's you know what, that is very good point, and I don't think that was addressed later on in the episode. I think that may have been something that was referred back to, maybe in a deleted scene or a scene that was never made, or uh, yeah, it does sound deleted scene esque, doesn't it? Or maybe it's something that will be referred back to later on in the series. Well, it could be a really subtle underlying plot. It could be spiders in space. Yes. And the other, the other bit I did like was, um, what's it, Mitchell and Webb cropping up as the two robots. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell and Webb as the two robots. Absolutely brilliant. Whoever casted those two in that role was genius. Utter genius. But... Nothing more can be said about that, I don't think. Nope. No. Uh, let's move on to talk about next week's uh, episode, which is A Town Called Mercy. Which I'm... I haven't seen all that many trailers for this episode, Tom. Well, it's it's interesting because right... Well, I don't know when it was, actually. I think it was the beginning of the summer when we got the first snippet of what this new series is going to be. It was heavily A Town Called Mercy, mainly because I believe that was the only material they had filmed at that point. And, and that was sort of the only trailer we've had. Since then, there hasn't really been anything until the end of this last episode when it's... It's well, it's indicated that there is this sort of robot, this half human, half robot that has got Cy- to be created. Cyborg was the um, word used. Thank you. I was searching for it and never found it. Yes. Um, this, yes, yeah, a town called Mercy, set somewhere we kind of believe Western America. The Wild West. The Wild West of America set, it'll be sort of early 1900s probably if not a little bit earlier yes uh episode written by toby whithouse who of course has written things lots of things for doctor in the past um including let me just bring up his profile uh he has written the episode school reunion of course that was the one that saw sarah jane sarah jane smith come back uh back in what's that series two must have been uh, we, she also wrote The Vampires of Venice, 
uh, in series five and the God Complex in series six. That was a very good episode, the God Complex. Yeah, that's a set of quite strong episodes, actually, that he's written. I think the weakest there is actually Vampires of Venice. Yes, which was a bit predictable. But, I mean, that was also more of a building on Rory and Amy. Yes, that was the one after um, kissy kissy time, as it were. Uh, so he is right. He's written a town called Mercy. Uh, that's due to go out. Oh, here we go again. We're going to get the time wrong, aren't we? <laughs> yes. I change it week to week, don't they? They, they could honestly. When the BBC decide on a specific time slot for Doctor Who, let me know because it, I, I would like it to just be the same time every week. It would make our lives so much easier. It really would. It really would. Um. Here we go. Next on Town Call Mercy, BBC One, 7.35. Same time as it was this week. Oh, there you go. They listen to you. They listen to me, clearly, in that last... It's still a bit of a random time slot. What What is on before Doctor Who? Uh, uh, total Wipeout. Minutes. Yeah, total Wipeout, I believe. Okay. Yeah, that's when it's on. That's when it's on. Uh, then after that, it's actually another episode written by uh, Chris Chibnall, uh, which is The Power of Three, which I don't think I've heard anything about. This one is one they've kept. This is the only one, really, we haven't heard much about. Because, of course, after that one, I believe it's then... It's then The Angels Take Manhattan. Yes. So, and The Power of Three, you get the feeling that this is going to be... Well, from what I've heard, this is going to be the last triumphal episode for the three of them, for Amy, Rory and the Doctor. So yes. I think this is going to be just those three doing what they've done best. And I think it's going to be sort of like a big farewell before the Angels take Manhattan and things, by the sounds of it, go horribly wrong. Yeah, I, it's you do get that impression that it is going to be very big. And, yes. and that's probably why they're keeping so much of it under wraps, as it were. I think it's also about the number three, possibly. Well, the power of three would suggest it is just Doctor, the Doctor, Amy and Rory. Yes. So um, we can only um, wait to see what happens. Of course, that is in two weeks' time. Um, I don't think we've really got much else to say. I haven't got anything more to say uh, in this particular episode. Tom, have you... No, except are you going to allude to your um, story? Oh, yes. I, that's what we did say we were going to do. Let's do that now. Uh, yes. I said I was going to read the letter, didn't I? Yes, you did. Uh, I did have a printed version of it somewhere. And, of course, as uh, it would have it, I have lost it. Uh, let me... Uh, fill, fill time, Tom, while I just have a look for it. So, 7.35 next Saturday is... Um, next episode, A Town Called Mercy, and it, it looks like it's going to be a really good episode. And it's one of their, you know, location shoots. They went off to the Wild West for a bit and shot lots of interesting stuff. And it looks, from the bits I've seen, it's also quite funny. But um, we'll have to wait and see what that was like. Was that enough? Uh, not quite. A little bit more. Um, and then it's The Power of Three. Um, and then it's The Angels Take Manhattan, which is where we say farewell to Amy and Rory. And then I think there's a big gap in the Christmas special. Um, but it was interesting that Jenna Louise Coleman did not appear in this week's episode, which means that she isn't going to crop up everywhere, which is possibly a relief. <laughs> now, I was speaking to one of my mates who said that she couldn't stand um, the character of Oswin. 
Yeah, I, I can see why you couldn't. I did quite like her. I, I quite like her. I think she would appear more. But and <laughs> I, I can see she is a very sort of I know everything character. Yes, absolutely. Of course I hacked in. What do you mean? Why did I, you know, why wouldn't I hack in? Yeah, exactly. I can. Daleks. Uh, I, I have now found the letter. Hurrah. Shall I read it? Yes, do. Okay. Even I haven't heard this, actually. If you haven't heard the letter. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Moffat, I write to you as a fan of both Doctor Who and Sherlock and a budding writer. I would firstly like to thank you for the, taking the time to read this letter. As a Doctor Who fan, uh, there I am deeply honoured that you have done so. In the Series 6 finale of Doctor Who, the Doctor is informed about the death of Brigadier Leather Leatherbridge Stewart. I thought this was an extremely touching thing to do, but notice that the same has yet to be done for the sad and untimely death of Elizabeth Sladen and, I assume, Sarah Jane Smith. It is to this end that I have enclosed a short three pages long script for a mini episode in which Luke Smith informs the Doctor about Sarah Jane's death. I would like to draw your attention to the references pl to plot lines in both Doctor Who and the Sarah Jane adventures. While I realise that the likelihood of this mini-episode ever being made is extremely low, I would appreciate it immensely if you would read the script, enclosed, and inform me of your impressions of it. I can be contacted either at the address above or the email address below. Finally, I would like to thank you for continuing to write and produce two of the best shows currently on television, not just here in the UK, but internationally. I look forward to hearing from you. Yours sincerely, Jonathan Sawyer. That was wonderful. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that's what the script is about. Uh, Tom, you can agree because you have seen the script. Yes. Uh, just how awesome is it? It is very good. It's a very nice, just well-rounded episode. It's not going to obviously. It's not going to be, you know, forty-five minutes. It is just going to be one of these that you know just ties up a few loose ends. And I think it's it'll be a nice sort of tribute. When they'd air it, I'm not sure. I reckon it would be something put online, to be honest. You think it would be an online sort of thing? Yeah. I reckon it would have been one that they had included in sort of a um, Doctor Who confidential. Yeah. But that clearly doesn't exist anymore, so it would probably just go straight online. Yeah. Hang on, doesn't Conf Doctor Who confidential exist? No. How are you out of this? Because oh, I, I never used to watch it in the first place. No, they've stopped making Doctor Who confidential. Why? Uh, because apparently it was costing too much money. It was costing too... Okay, look, look, this is a direct appeal to the BBC. Pay me, you know, a few quid an hour, and I will walk around the Doctor Who sets all day long with a camcorder interviewing people. <laughs> I'm not first. I mean, the thing, stupid thing is that they're still sort of filming all of that, but they're putting it just straight online. So, you know, it's, it's more the... the BBC Three. It, yeah, it was more sort of the narration of it and the um, editing of it that was costing the money, I assume. Yeah. But there we go. Uh, that is it, I believe, for this week uh, of Doctor What. Uh, me and Tom will hopefully be back at the same time next week. Uh, mostly because we're both going away, but we're, we're trying to think of a plan to get to get this to you as it were on a monday night that's the on plan a monday night uh yeah we think monday is going to be our night um for this 
if you've missed it on Saturday, you've had Sunday to watch it on iPlayer. So I think Monday night's a good time to discuss it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we will always contain spoilers, of course, if you haven't seen it. Uh, I was going to say something then, but it's completely escaped my mind. Oh, no, I remember. Uh, what? I'm not entirely sure, Tom. Yes. What we're going to do when Doctor Who goes off the air. What do you mean what we're going to do? Well, we could go back and, and talk about previous plot lines and series or things. I'm not sure. We shall um, discuss this. We could just pick a random episode and talk about it. We could do. We could just start at the beginning of like series one and just talk about each episode as it comes on. We could do. Yeah, we could. Um, that is it for now. If you haven't seen any of the episodes, of course, uh, from series six, they are available on the BBC iPlayer, bbc.co.uk slash iPlayer. And sorry for spoiling absolutely all of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> By this point, you know, you already know what happens. Although, to be fair, in this episode, we didn't discuss the wave engine room. True. That was weird. Uh, we haven't discussed um, metal under sand. True. And we also haven't discussed um, whatever they were flying. Yes. Right. Although, I, one other thing, uh, you've just reminded me. Oh, here we go. A thought just to end on. I think, is that the first time, really? Well, it's kind of, the Doctor didn't try and rescue the guy. I, part of me thought he might jump in there in the end and stop him being killed. But then maybe after he tortured the dinosaur, it was probably a good time to, you know. Go. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh, he is actually going to kill him. That's a surprise. The Doctor never normally kills him, but maybe this is a new Doctor. Yeah, and he does—he's he, doing angry a lot better now. He is. He's doing. He's is doing angry. He now knows what he's going to do when he's angry. Yes. Anyway, uh, we shall leave it there. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another one of these. Uh, Town Call Mercy is on BBC One uh, Saturday at twenty-five to eight, or if you're listening in the states, it'll be on BBC America. At uh, 8 p.m. Central Time? I don't know. <laughs> at some point in your evening. Why did you even go down that route? Because I was looking at the BBC America site earlier on, and I can't remember what time it said on it. Okay. But there we go. Uh, that is it from us this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay hoovian or something. Yes. We need to think of a good way to end these. Yes, we do. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>